What's up? Welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. Cool episode this week. A little bit different from the normal episodes we do, but in a very good way. Uh, This week's guest is Vivian Wang. She works at AEG and teaches at USC. And the reason this is a cool episode is we definitely get into her story like we do in every episode, but we also spend a lot of time on the back end of this episode talking, kind of more just having an open discussion about some things that we think are happening in music and me picking her brain, getting some advice from her, bouncing back and forth ideas of where we think things are going with the touring industry and how data affects that and what artists and industry can do to work with that data. So it was the first time I got to have like a back and forth discussion and kind of just talk that out, but it ended up being really fun and she's really, really smart and very good at data. So for that reason, it was really fun and I think you guys will enjoy that. She also has a great story in getting into it and where she came from and the amount of things that she tried and did before she really found her lane in music. It's just awesome. So for all that, I think it became or is a very great episode. Uh, And that's really that. Another thing that I wanted to say that we didn't get into in the podcast is Vivian's fiance, Court, is incredible and helped her so much through all of that. And we finished the episode and realized, like, damn, we got so in the weeds with some of it that we didn't really talk about the bigger picture. So huge shouts to Court, because if it weren't for him, she wouldn't have had the support through some of the things that she did. And he was a really important piece. So much, much love. With that said, same thing that I always say. If you like this episode, tell your friends, share it on social media, rate it on Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. It means the world to me. It helps me immensely. Um, that's really it. Let's get into it. I think you're going to love it. Here we are. Where are all my friends? I am joined with my dear friend, Vivian Wang. It is Sunday. We are sipping some coffee chilling and i'm excited for this episode because you're one of my smartest friends when it comes to this subject and i'm so happy that you're down to come on and answer some of these questions and talk about this because whenever i do an episode of this show i don't really care about the following i don't care about the status or any of that i care about smart people with things to add and value to bring especially when i think about somebody who's maybe trying to get into the industry and doesn't understand all these pieces. I think there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that not everybody knows that's really valuable and cool to hear. And you can use a lot of that data to, as an artist, learn more about how to sell tickets and do things. Or maybe early in your career, you don't know that jobs like this exist. So you're like my, you're my low key sneaky friend that knows so much. So I'm very stoked and honored to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I definitely looked at your resume of people you've had on the show, I'm like, oh, wow, I am the least interesting with the least number of followers on the show. So thank you. I'm honored to be on here. But I guarantee you that everyone, including myself and all the guests, would hear your episode or look at you and it, like understanding what you know would all be like, I'm sorry, what? Go on. <laughs> and oh that's exactly why I want to have you. Oh, thank you. The other thing that I should preface is you work with large companies, you teach at USC, And that's kind of an awkward thing to do a podcast with because you have to be careful, Uh like your opinions, you speaking on all the things that we talk about, like by no means do I want you to, to put words in the mouths of these large companies or these schools. Absolutely. So So, yeah, everything that I say is like purely my opinion with you as a friend. 
uh, doesn't represent the opinions of USC or AG Presents. It's just me talking to you. So what I thought would be cool and what I wanted to have, like what I wanted to do is briefly tell your story. Like definitely tell me where you come from. Tell me how you got into this. But I also think that we have these discussions a lot about Spotify data or just data in general and how artists can use that to improve their products and how companies, managers, anyone else can understand, better understand artists, how shows can be better for people. Just like, I think there's a lot of data that isn't used or it, it feels boring or overwhelming. And mm -hmm. then when I talk to you, I'm like, oh, wait, this matters. Like, <laughs> we can use this. This is fun. This is helpful. This is good. I so, appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And you have a very good skill at that of, of making data feel more like something helpful than an overwhelming Excel spreadsheet. I thank you very much. That's yeah. very flattering. Coming down to all the cool pie charts and colors <laughs> that you can make and everything, like you make me feel smart when we look at it. So oh. hopefully I can get a little bit out of that or a little bit of that out of you and help other people listening uh, use data better. Yeah, I definitely want to make sure that it's valuable for the listeners. Yeah. Cool. So before we get into some of the questions and before that technical stuff, uh, tell a listener a little bit about you, what you do now, and where you come from. So I uh, grew up in Saratoga, California. Um, this is a town in the Bay. Uh, where I've been there my whole life and started putting on, going to shows when I was like 12 years old, right? Local shows, just your local bands. Yeah. Loved it. Um, that was my real taste, first taste of like live music. Yeah. My parents were immigrants, so they, everything that I found in music, I found myself. Like I had no influence from them. Yeah. So I very much gravitated towards like a lot of the classic Warped Tour bands. Cool. Um, cringing, a little cringy <laughs> for my fiance, uh, under oath, taking back Sunday. I don't think those that's cringe like, at all. Like I love that. My heroes like defined my l listening taste when I was growing up. Um, and then uh, for my 16th birthday, I wanted to just. It was very natural for me to be like, okay, I've been going to these shows for like four years. Like I want. I'm like friends with these guys. Like friends with the bands. Like I want to put on a show for my 16th birthday. Um, and it. I just did $200, $250 flats for everybody, and that was the first show ever put on. Um, from that, there, I just started doing more and more local shows. That's wild, though. Like, that's so cool that you had that initiative on your own, right? Because a lot of kids can like music and find it themselves, but not have the idea to, like, book a show or to have that ambition. So I respect that you had that early. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, it, it's you when you put it like that, it sounds, like, very, like, I don't know, like prestigious and intense, but I was literally just a 15 year old girl being like, I want to see all these bands play together and experience that. So and to you, it wasn't like was you were like, taking on some big risk no, or anything. No, I didn't know what like, I was doing. I was like, I just wanted to see them. And I was like, Hey, like, you know, $200 guarantees all around. Cool. Dope. See you guys. See you guys Saturday. It was just some pretty <laughs> simple math. You're like, yeah. okay, if I can sell this many tickets and they're willing to get paid $250, $200, yeah. like, cool this will yeah. work and yeah. i get to see my favorite show and i wasn't trying to make money by any means it was like my birthday party <laughs> that's that's awesome yeah i love that those like accidental moments of just like you being excited like being like well, logically i want this and then like later on you realize you're like oh wait that was cool or like oh that taught me something really important yeah it was like how to like you know figure out the gear like pa system like all that stuff and um yeah it was like a great first gig first show and then um, just started doing some local shows. 
uh, one day, one of the local promoters was like, Hey, like, I see you hustling. I see you doing these shows. Like, come, let's have lunch, dinner. Like, let's just chat. I was like, you know, 16, 17 now. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And he was like, let's not compete. Like, let's just like, it was an interesting time because I feel like the local promoters are all consolidating at that moment. Yeah. So there was like three big guys and it was me. Um, and they're like, he, he was very much like Olive Branch, like just come, like, let's just do shows together. And I was like, okay. So I just started doing, booking some shows for him, but also just like working shows, like every single opportunity I could get. And that's how I started doing that. And then I went to USC, double majored in neuroscience and music business. Uh, also, when I was at USC, I started interning for Kevin Lyman, which was such a dream come true for me as being a big Warped wow, Tour kid. Wow, yeah. Um, took one of the summers and tour managed on Warped Tour. Um, I tour managed on Warped Tour. Was also managing bands, uh, managed this band called Ice Nine Kills back in the day. What? What? Yeah. You managed Ice Nine Kills? Yeah, I did their record deal with my then partner um, with like Red Blue Records. It was like, yeah, it was it was a long time ago, man. <laughs> That's Well, it's wild because they've had this like resurgence of they did. great They're success. They're killing it. Those guys are killing it. I haven't talked to them in years, but they are really killing it. Yeah, but it's amazing so, because I remember years, they're yeah. like an OG band from yeah. that genre. Like I remember like very back in the day hearing that yeah. name. I had no so, idea that you did anything with them. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I, I like still can't believe it's like I've kind of lived like a bunch of different lives. Um, the, the record that I did with them was I think their sophomore record at this point. So it was really, really early on. Um, it was safe as just a shadow. That was a record I did with them. Wow. So, so good. Fucking love that album. So at that point, like that's, that's honestly, even if you didn't realize what you were doing, mm -hmm. that's a lot of things coming together in a really cool way where, you know, that promoter didn't have to reach out to you. He could have just been a dick and been like, Oh, you're some kid, whatever. You. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. so many petty people do things like that. So that's cool. I'm sure you learned a bunch from that experience. 100%. Gives you the nudge to then be like, oh, I could help a band. Or again, I'm sure it wasn't some mastermind plan, but you're like, oh, yeah. I know this and this and I could help you with this. Mm -hmm. And then were you, so were you doing that still while you were in the Bay Area before school? Uh, tour managing? And no, no, no. Or... Before like doing the Ice Nine stuff? I was in, U I was at USC. Okay, cool. Yeah. So just so I have my timeline right you're doing shows and kind of building a bit of a name for yourself while you're in the Bay area. And then I basically stopped doing that. Okay. Um, and when I moved to SC and I did put on some shows on sunset for a minute, yeah. um, with just some USC bands like that were going up, but I didn't, it just, I had some like pretty career defining experiences, yeah. um, where I was like, this is not the path for me. Okay. So, uh, that's and like I just it was organic when uh, one of the local bands that I was like booking when I was still in the Bay was like I really really believed in them and yeah. they became like the first band I ever managed yeah um and then with that I like start joined this management company when I was still in school what? that's where like Iceland Kills came along um it feels we're talking about it right now because it feels like I'm like wait did I really did. But I did do that. Like, yeah, it was, like, wow. my life. But it was such a... It was, like, 10 years ago. Right. I was, like, 19. 
that's, I don't know, like that's just wild because I know that feeling of when you think back and talk about it, you're like, oh man, that's a lot. But like in the moment, you're just like, well, I like music. And I know. I never is, thought about it because yeah. I was like just so passionate. My My passion for the music kind of overcame a lot of my future thinking. I was like, and also I was in school. It's like when you're in college, like that is the time to do just everything. Like I didn't waste any time in college. Like I was working always like three jobs, like interning, like tour managing, managing. Like I just did everything because I knew that as soon as I graduated, I'd have to support myself some way. Whoa. So So you, you had a good amount of young self-awareness or drive, just an organic something that kept you busy. Yeah. And like a lot of that is like, I would say my upbringing, like, this is so traumatic and I would never do this to my future children. But like my dad used to like walk me around and like point to homeless people and be like, don't do that. Don't, Don't be like that. And I'd be like, oh my God, like it was so traumatic as a child to like, but (laughs) you say that you're, are you first generation like born in the States? Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's a thing where kids that have parents from anywhere else, like it's such a privilege to grow up in the States and they've Mm -hmm. experienced such a different life where it's not that they're trying to put this terrible pressure on you, but they're just like, you don't understand how much better it got that you have this opportunity. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. Pretty much. And it's like, they took a huge, I can't imagine like moving to a country where I don't speak the language. I don't know anybody. And just to like start over. I have so much respect for for families. Yeah, exactly. Like for the betterment of the next generation. That's so, it's very, it's very intense. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, yeah, you're right. So their love just translates differently. <laughs> it came from the most so caring place. So I wasn't place, about to like waste but... my like four years at USC, one of the most expensive colleges, just wow. like mm, partying. Like I was very much like, no, this this starts now. That's really cool. Because I, I, you do hear the other sides of those stories, right? Where kids don't understand the opportunities that they have or they're, they're not aware of it enough. And it is kind of just, mm-hmm. why do I have to do this or whatever? They don't agree with it. And it's kind of, it becomes a waste. So it's cool to hear somebody that went to school and used it for what it's supposed to do, right? Thank you. That sounds very flattering. But again, I was just like a kid being yeah, like, just I'm just going to take you... every opportunity that I can and yeah. just see what happens. Well, it's, an, it's another really interesting topic right now. And I, again, love to have you on the podcast because I do feel that now more than ever, you don't have to go to college. Mm-hmm. However, no. here you are, like you teach a class in college. And when I talk to people like you, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I'd pay for a class for somebody teaching me that. <laughs> but I, like, it's just an interesting topic, right? And I love to talk to people that did graduate school mm-hmm. and are now like having success because some people out there can't help. Like their parents are forcing them to go to school and like certain people are lost, but still in school. So I, I like to, I don't want to be biased on it, right? Like mm-hmm. even though my path wasn't college, I don't want to paint the picture that like fuck college. So I love hearing the stories and I love hearing someone like you that like, yeah, I made the most of it. So it's cool. And it's so important for the, these academic institutions and even like, you know, the ones that I, the one that I work for is like, they have such a responsibility to yeah. make sure that that money is worth it. That degree is worth it. And they're going to better prepare those students um, for the next step in their careers. And that's, that's, I take that responsibility so seriously when I teach at school, it's like these two hours, like they're paying good money to be here. They have to walk away with something valuable. And that's not something that I take lightly when I teach. 
That's great. And like, again, you know, you are such a great example of that. And I love sharing that side because there is that, that big thing of like, oh, college is such a waste of money. It's such they take the cost so much, this, that, and this, but it's like, here's somebody who takes it very seriously. He's going to do everything <laughs> to give you value. So I love that. Anyway, your story, you make it down to Southern California. You're in LA making the absolute most out of college and you get an internship with Kevin Lyman, uh-huh. the OG of all OGs. The godfather. The godfather, the creator of Warp Tour, and the hardest working, best example <laughs> of a human being in all of the music industry, in my opinion. So I would Agreed. say that's a pretty good in, uh, internship. Yeah, I learned so much. Um, I was so lucky for the opportunity. And it's like, you. I spent like one week, I remember in the office, just like organizing old tour offers that yeah. he had wow you bet i read every tour offer wow. and it's not i wasn't just like sorting paper like you'd get that opportunity and you look at every single deal and you under you look at you try and learn everything you ask questions it's not yeah i was like organizing files but it's like reading those files like t- taking a step to understand like you have access to something that not everyone has access to I try to remind myself that every day, like there'll be things that I'm doing where I get so busy and I'm like, I need to just get all this done. But then you stop and you're like, wait, this is valuable. This is an experience. There's more to be had than Mm -hmm. just the the piece of like do this task. And that's what I tell like my employees today. It's like, okay, yeah, this task is maybe mundane, but you can get so much out of it. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a employee right now who like wants to be a booking assistant. I'm like, you are in an epic place right now to be a booking assistant. Yeah. You just have to find those little Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Were you nervous? Like when you first, like I would have been nervous, like coming out of school being like, I have an internship with Kevin Lyman. I remember walking those stairs in my, in my USC sweatshirt. I just moved to LA. I was, my heart was pounding. I was like, Oh my God, I'm Kevin Lyman. And it was like, yeah. How was he? Like, did what was like your first interactions or like, did you feel right at home or how did it go? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was so nervous that the whole thing was like an adrenaline 30 minutes. Yeah. And the thing, I think one of the most valuable things I learned from Kevin is to treat everybody. So like treat everybody equally and like be a kind human and help wherever you can. Like every opportunity to help is something that you should take. And, um, as I grow older, like the message changes, like more recently, it's like, uh, I want everyone's interaction with me at work or out of work to be a positive one. And cause like sometimes you work with someone and you like leave being that interaction be like, Oh, that was horrible. Like that didn't make me feel good. Yeah. I never want anyone to feel like that. And Kevin, like no matter if you're a merch guy, right. Yeah. yeah. Or like a lowly runner or whatever, like he, anything and like, ugh, so incredible. And he just, said, I just Such. can't say enough good things. And I'm so grateful to have had that experience so young in my career to be like, just treat everyone like even the person that's like a, you know, just a receptionist, like be nice, ask them how their day was, say hello. Like, yeah, I always try my best to do that no matter how busy or that's not so cool. I am. And I agree with you. Like I, I, I respect him so much and there are so few people that are that especially genuine especially in the music industry i think that's kind of why i wanted to do this podcast right is like not everybody can go intern for somebody like him mm-hmm. and like 
I think that learning from the great people so early on is so formative in a career. So it's like, if I can at least share the words of the people that I think are special like that on this podcast, hopefully people will be inspired and take the right lessons. But um, that's cool. That's really cool that you had that experience there. No, that's an incredible community that you're building at the moment, which is why, again, I'm so honored to be on this podcast. Hell yeah. Um, the, when I was teaching at SC, this position came up and I had just on a whim been like, cause I, you know, Warped Tour was ending. It's like, Kev, like, is this something you'd even be interested in? And I could tell he was hesitant. He took the meeting. Um, he just had a couple of projects, uh, in like in the works and I could just tell he was like hesitating. So I definitely like shot him an email saying like, you have been such like a guiding force in all the decisions that I make day to day in my role. And I think that your influence has been incredibly positive on my career. I would, this is an opportunity for you to bring that influence to one of the best and probably the, I was going to say one of the best um, educational institutions in the country, but definitely the number one music industry program in the country. Fuck that. Hit the sweet brag. Number one, the best in the the world. The best music industry program um, to influence these kids in like the next generation to be as like responsible, like kind of the, like I told them, I was like, I graduated from the Kevin Lyman school of like, that's real though. So, and it's not just like, the skills, but it's the attitude and the social responsibility that comes with, you know, just being in the music industry and trying to be a positive impact. It's how you treat people. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest. So critical. And and like, that's the thing is like, it's crazy for me now, like with all the stuff I've done with version three and with this next real wave of a new genre and kids making music that means something, you know, it's the same as like when you found mm-hmm. Under Oath and Senses Fail. Oh my God, yes. But not everybody's going to understand what Warp Tour did and what it meant. So the fact that he is teaching now and the fact that there is more of that. He's influencing like like such like hundreds of kids. It needs to happen. It's so important. I love that. Like I just, I'm so happy he's there and I love, he teaches right before me. So I just like, I'm like, Hey Kev, how's it going? It's so cool. Um, I was really after he sent me an email back being like, you need to go into politics. Yeah. Like you (laughs) swayed me. You you got that skill. I, I won't take responsibility for being the only person like to be his reason, but I'd like to think I, I, helped a little. I love that. Um, okay. Well then continuing on your story, you have this incredible internship with him. Yes. Yeah. It was amazing. And you then tour managed did a tour. Yeah. Managed Ice Nine Kills, did a record deal, gained that experience, um, made, made some money managing bands. That was cool. Cool. Um, and then tour managed, realized that neither of those lives were for me Mm. because I just, I couldn't, I'm not a gypsy. I'm not a road gypsy. I really have so much respect for the people that do that, who yeah. operate. Like, I'm like so, so much respect. But I, I realized that wasn't the life for me. Yeah. There At was, a pretty young age, too. Yeah, I was like nine. I was, I was 19 when I started the tour, 20 when I got off the tour. And um, it was, I remember there was one time on the bus, I was on the bottom bunk. And I woke up one morning and I was on my left side and the top bunk had collapsed on the right side Mm -hmm. and I like could have died. And I was like, well, this is, 
or been severely injured. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this. This life is not for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was like, there was a couple of factors like that where I was like, all right, this isn't, this isn't my world. Yeah. I don't know. I like that a lot though, because I think a lot of times people struggle with, you have something good and it's scary to change it. So not everybody does. So I respect like, again, it probably wasn't that woke of you. You were probably just like, ah, this isn't it. I'll keep going. And it was again in college. So it's not like I needed, it it was just like try everything and then something that really like what resonates with you. Right. Yeah. Which then takes us kind of to your next point of your career, right? Yes. Yeah. So when I, I, Got off the road, um, did an internship at, in the Golden Voice talent buying department, which mm-hmm. was really, really cool. And uh, met Larry Vallon, who then I sent an email to, like, sometime senior year. And and he was like, listen, like, Live Nation Ticketmaster just merged. We are starting a ticketing company in response to that. Wow. Access. Um, and this is a really exciting like, it's an exciting place. Like, Ticketmaster had run the game for so long. And I, the thing, when I graduated at USC, when I went to school there, that we'd not talked about anything other than labels, yep. like record deals, mm-hmm. and, like, a little bit about concert promotion, a ton about publishing. Yeah. So I knew nothing about this world right. and didn't like, know anything, like, career-wise. But really, ticketing is the place where live and technology really started. Yeah. Like, they are the center, like, buying tickets online. That was the first place, right? So uh, it was very, it's such a great four years that I spent there uh, working really with marketing analytics, marketing data, marketing platforms. Like that was my career there. And did you start to feel it clicking? Like more so than management and touring, you're just like, wait a minute, like I really am connecting here. Yeah, definitely more so because it was so fresh, so new. And I didn't know there was so much that you could do. And that's when I was like really like sad about the, like why didn't I know this before? Yeah. Cause I think this is why it's so cool to do this podcast with I, you. I, literally, because... I'm thinking that right now. I'm, I'm so honored <laughs> to have you explain Thank things you. like this. Cause even now I still don't fully understand it. There's yeah. a, ticketing companies are playing a very instrumental role right now in the business. And it's, commonly overlooked as just a transactional place but there's so much more than that yeah because like i mean we've had some cool conversations about i definitely want to get into these things of like if you pay attention and work closely with your ticketing company there's so much information available Mm -hmm. as an artist where you can really grow your platform and you can understand your fans more Mm -hmm. and uh, just like all sorts of sides of it where it's it just feels slept on it feels like it's not talked about so I was like super grateful to have that experience even though I was kind of feeling like I still felt the draw towards the live side and I just felt like I was a little farther away from it than I would have liked to be but I needed that I needed those four years to act to understand technology understand the data right so, right. which you now have such a great understanding of. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't spend those four years at Access. So then, Access goes to your next part of your career. Brings yeah. You to... So um, I then went over to AG Presents, uh, worked on the digital team, uh, doing like the marketing platform build. I would say. Yeah. So did that, and then um, an opportunity came up in the strategy department, mm-hmm. where it was really more like core booking concert operations and that was like bringing me back to my roots of like 
shows, like booking shows. And that's like really where booking operations, concert promoter operations and technology meet. Oh, so and it's the plus, dream. Like... Plus like the research piece is something is like a passion project of mine that is like really starting to like come together, which is so exciting. Like using data to gain insights and make those yeah make those decisions day to day so that's like so like I nine years into the career I feel like this is feeling really really good right now that's awesome and it's cool too because you know we look at these things we look from the outside and it's like seeing you do what you do and the way you talk about your job it's like yeah cool I get it you have a superpower you're great at that (laughs) or like must be nice to just have that great job but it's like really you tried and did so many things and also had opportunities within companies where you took risks to get to a spot nine years in where you're like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And you know, in the moment, um, you're kind of just following your intuition and your gut and like not being scared to understand what you don't know. Yeah. Ooh, I like that a lot. That's a great way to put it so eloquently. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. So, okay. So that brings us to pretty much now. Today, Here yeah. you are. You're ripping. You're in it. Final <laughs> form, or at least right now. For the time being. Um, last question on your path. When did you start teaching in colleges? Uh, the chair of the music industry department reached out to me. and was like, hey, like, I see you're killing it. Like, what's, tell, like, were we doing the curriculum at USC? And I was like, finally, like, yes, you should do that. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, like, this is what we're thinking and um what do you think basically as a graduate of this of the school oh, and like wow. doing so it really started well. as almost like just like a survey it was like, like a consulting like tell us what you think about this cool. curriculum it was so much better than what i had graduated with because that's such a focus on live which yeah. is so critical to any artist right now yeah so um the only thing i had to add was like you really need a t- class on technology Mm. and like music tech and all the opportunities there and what data and analytics is in technology is in the music industry and he was kind of like well like well, what would a class like that look like and I was like well you can talk start with the ticketing companies and then like da 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 and he was like oh like can you like put up a syllabus and I was like uh okay here here's like what I you know I think the classes should be and he was kind of like let's get you to teach it like you should just come teach this class and Sick. so I think fall like fall 2014 oh wow was when I started teaching and you've you've kept doing it since then yeah um I teach two classes now so one undergraduate which is the OG one that I started was big data and technology and live music and then um I also teach a master's class in data analytics and live music um, I co-teach with my amazing partner, Mike Kaminsky, because yep, um, how we met. I, I'm also at school at UCLA at the moment doing my MBA. What? And I'm getting, like, I'm getting married next year. So, like, I'm planning, trying to plan a wedding. So, like, my life is insane. This is Vivian in final form. <laughs> this is this is full ripping right I now. I just haven't changed since I was, like, 16, I guess. It's just working, like, multiple jobs at the same time. It's, like, nuts. I mean, I, I heavily do relate. All right. Well, that's an epic story. I love it. I learned some new things there. So something that we talked about and something that I think is going to be a really cool topic to just discuss with you is obviously there's been a shift of like so much success is happening from streaming. You're able as an independent artist to accomplish so much and like really build a career where you can make money off streaming. Yet the live side of it has changed a bit 
But there's just these interesting pieces where it's like, what can you do? What's changing on the live side? What should you know as an artist? And, and what's that look like for the live side as this changes? So again, this is like my opinion, totally my totally opinion. opinions um, here. Us as friends discussing. Yeah. So it's, it just feels like there's just more and more higher ticket prices. Like you can look at the data. Ticket prices are just going up and up and up. Um, artists are just getting like asking for more and more money, all that stuff. Um, and if you look at, it's funny cause we're all, it's, it feels like we're all grabbing at that $1. Yeah. So putting it in like sort of academia terms, you have, uh, the highest threshold, like the cusp is like the fans willingness to pay for a ticket, right? The willingness to pay for a ticket. And then the second threshold is the price of the ticket. And the gap between those two levels is your fans surplus, essentially. Like that's your fans gain where they're willing to pay and the actual price of the ticket. Now the price, like, I feel like there's not enough strategy when it comes on the artist side for, they're just trying to raise the price without increasing the fans willingness to pay. Right. So you're just cutting and cutting into that fan surplus until there's literally any nothing more which isn't really a great way to run a business yeah so like with that that's so interesting to me because ever again like i say this from every side of it if you're an up-and-coming artist if you're a manager looking to grow an artist any side mm-hmm. if you're a promoter trying to grow like i do feel that there's this thing of like you're not necessarily adding or providing any more value yet there's this like you're Inflation. just grabbing out. You're just trying to hi- increase your ticket prices or like charge yeah. more money, get or charge more money so you can make more money. But really, the pie isn't getting any bigger. What you really should be focusing on is increasing the value you're giving to the fans, increasing their willingness to pay, so that when you raise your price, you're not cutting into that fan delight. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. Like you're bringing an extra value and you're building a closer connection with a fan to then justify a higher ticket price. Essentially. Yeah. And this is like, again, like I think we're all very driven by passion and gut and your first instinct is just make more money, get more money, like take the biggest check, take the biggest check. But that's not, you may be hurting your relationship with your fan more so if you were just to increase that threshold for them to their willingness to pay well and if if you think about it i don't think that that necessarily has to cost you money or be a loss as far as the the business or the entity selling tickets like i think about myself as a fan and i hear all sorts of new music so much more now because Mm -hmm. you can listen on the internet or just things are served to you right algorithms all these things so i hear these songs and i'm like yo this is fire i love this track whatever But then I see that they're coming through. I know one song, it's on my Discover Weekly or whatever. And the ticket price is, I don't know, 25, 30 bucks. Maybe I'll go. It depends. But then if there's an artist where they're coming through, I know the same amount of music or whatever. But then I see that they, I don't know, like if I tweet about them or something and they like actually interact with me or they then even like they put out a great music Uh video, like something where I'm like, you know, I should go to the show because I see that live. Yeah, like I bet you their production's cool. Or like they mm-hmm. had this great visual, like with their music video. I bet you if they're merch, right? Like if oh, this artist cares. Like if I go to this show and like I've seen what they post, I've seen their personal style, I bet you their merch is gonna be fire. Like all those things, like 
that to me as a fan, that's value. Like that's a reason to go to a show. But I love that conversation. We talked about it a little bit outside of the podcast of like, it is really interesting me as a manager, managing artists, like not just grabbing at fans and taking advantage of jacking up prices without adding something to it. I don't think that that lasts in the long term. Yeah. And you're a really smart manager to recognize that. Hey, thanks. (laughs) But, um, no, that's cool to talk to you about that. It's cool to hear that from your side. And I think that you bring a good point of like the, every, everyone is so accessible now and, I feel like we're reaching an age of music where people, fans are voting with their engagement. It's, there's no longer a disconnect between what you're listening to. Like it's like almost takes some of the guesswork out of it, which is what makes so fascinating, makes it so fascinating for me is that if, when you listen and listen, listen, listen to a song, like those numbers in that city will go up, which is like things that you and I have looked at, like, how many streams does it take to save a song for your artist? Like yeah. how many, um, like how effective is this playlist for you? How many listeners are you gaining? How many l- listens per a listener is this song gaining for you? Yes. Like all that is not only money because mm-hmm. you technically get paid per stream. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. your label gets paid. And then eventually when you recoup, totally. Um, but it's also like that is willingness to pay. Yeah. Right? Like, that is a direct translation. Well, to use an exact example, right? So like we became friends. I met you through Michael mm-hmm. at a class. I just dropped in and watched. I was it like, was incredible. This kid walking in? I don't recognize him. Did yeah. I get a new student? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we start talking. I tell you, I work with this band, Capstan. You listen, you like it. And we get in touch and you're like, yo, I really like this band. And we were saying like, you don't necessarily get the same data as an artist or a manager gets on like, so here you are, somebody who's great at analyzing data and you don't necessarily see all of it. No, and it was so fun working with you on that and like getting into the data exports and because yes. Spotify and these platforms have made it made the data so accessible mm-hmm. for artists and artist yep. managers. I just don't necessarily agree that they're in the best again personal opinion like they're in the best format. They're not actionable for you. Really? Right. Like it's like take someone unfortunately like someone like me to like go in there and like manipulate the data so that it's actionable for you right but i think it's only a matter of time before those companies figure it out oh 100 they're so they're so intuitive and it will get there but for the sake of this conversation it was really helpful to take i think the whole point of this podcast to me is like learning how to use data and understand it, use it as a tool and not let it just be an intimidating thing on a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. that you can't fully grasp so we start talking you like this band i share this data with you and we would sit down and we'd look at it and we'd learn things like some of them were obvious, right? Like your top songs are your top songs. But we'd learn things like even to the point where you had this wild discovery that songs that started with like one instrument and just vocals were being listened to more and would get attention faster. And that's, you know, that's not compromising the integrity of the artist to start more songs like that. But then because we had that, the first single we put out, we did the song that they naturally wrote like that. It was just the no-brainer pick of, oh, cool, we have a song like this. Like, let's do that as the first single. Yeah. And, and it was more, great. To get more context, like, what we did was we looked at your top songs in terms of volume of streams per listener. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are the addicting songs? I think I use the word addicting. Yeah, I think you are, did. Like, those are the songs that people were, like, listening to over and over and over again. Totally. Like, what, who, which songs were those? And then... 
what I, and I think the band was with us, like, like Anthony, those guys were like all there. And we played the first 10 seconds, yeah. 20 sec, 10 to 20 seconds of each song. Yeah. And it was that, and there was like a light bulb yep. on the band's face, on your face. And yep. it was like, this is, yes, this is what we need to do. And that like, so that for the sake of this conversation and that example, it was the first time that I've, I looked at data as not like feeling like a chore, but like, wow, this is here to help. And that was really cool to me. And I just want to talk about those things with anybody because you can be a manager, an artist, a fan, anything. Data is very helpful if you know how to use it and if you're looking to like solve the right problems. And that's what I always like about your mind and the way you look at it is you're so good at grasping that, yet you also translate it to English. Thank so you. I try. Yeah, totally. So I think that then the lesson there for artists is like you have very valuable data and you can see like, you know, there's social media. Your fans do tell you what they want and you hear a lot from them. But there's so much data available to analyze and look at and understand and make a better product to then provide value, to then have your fans be willing to pay more and like build a lasting artist, build somebody that can keep charging more for a ticket because exactly. you're delivering a better product. And you have data to help you like make, see what's working, see what's not. And I think the interesting challenge from like, cause again, like Spotify is trying to support a million artists off streaming. Like our music economy literally changes with the decision of these giant tech companies. Mm. Like this will trickle down to the live side where we're going to see a lot of artists who can sell out those club and theaters because they're all like a million artists being supported off Spotify streams alone. Like that's yeah. going to produce a lot of these types of artists to play clubs and yeah. theaters. Um, but it's, it's also, it, that's tough for you guys because the small managers do not have the resources to hire like an analyst or hire someone yeah. to like look at this data to help them make decisions. Um, so I think there's a real gap out there for those entrepreneurs to like start a company who like is going to provide like a artist data warehouse or like a data, like, cause all this data is being kept mm -hmm. at Spotify, mm -hmm. kept at the ticketing companies, mm -hmm. right? Like there's no, you need, you need as an artist manager, like to be able to own your own data, but it's like, you can't manipulate or use data if it's just sitting on your desktop in an Excel spreadsheet. Right. That's like not scalable. Like you need like a, a company to like help you guys like ingest it, translate it, transform it. So it's actionable. And so it's yours. Right. And that's like, you know, cause I, with this, I always try to like bring out actionable things that you can do and things. And I think that's a little hard to like answer definitively right now mm -hmm. because it's not the easiest to get all the data you need right now. It's not the easiest to there analyze There are so many it. different places. Like TikTok has their, I've never even seen a data feed from TikTok. Right. But it's like ticketing company, Spotify, also Apple Music has their own reporting platform. It's just like, it's getting harder and harder to like aggregate all the data and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So I guess like on the more positive side of that, like I guess if you're looking at it and you know that you're an artist or you're something with data, like what's our takeaway here? Like I know that I think the big piece that we talked about is providing more value and not taking, not just raising prices and being like, oh, I'm more popular, demand a higher ticket price because then you'll burn out your audience and you're yeah. not going to have a lasting fan base. That's my opinion about it. Like I think 
it's really, we're all grabbing for a dollar. Like we should make the pie bigger, grab for a hundred dollars, like make that, make it so everybody wins, not just one person. Elaborate on that a little bit more. Cause it's, that's big. So instead of just keeping the ceiling the same, yeah. like the ticket is a dollar, make the ticket, like the fan is willing to pay a dollar for a ticket. Yeah. The fan's willing to pay a hundred dollars for a ticket. Prices increase without like cutting into that fan fans like surplus. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just making their to be, to have more collective value. So everybody wins versus yeah. just, just one, like the fan not winning. Cause I think a lot like with all these consolidations happening with, concert promoters getting bought up and take like everything, everything becoming one giant company. Um, who's looking out for the fan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that piece and it's easily overlooked because oftentimes as you get into a career in music, you are no longer the fan and yeah. you kind of forget that we all started as the fan and we, right. when we you actually stop and think about it, you're like, Oh, it kind of sucks to be, like taxed as the fan like you're the one that's making it possible yeah and it's like be more as a, if a, an artist representation or on the artist side like just be more strategic like the most obvious answer is often the wrong one mm. like don't just take the biggest check like think about strategically what this means for you and there's different different there's various differentiation strategies like you could just like focus on a pure cost strategy and that's not, that's like optimizing operations, making it cheaper to produce content so you can make more money. Mm -hmm. Or you could actually just differentiate via like creating more value and being like a true differentiator that's harder to imitate than just being focusing on just the cost. And I may be like getting into like way too academia at the moment, too much theory, <laughs> but it's I just, like it, but it, it's just like there's different strategies that you can take. And I feel like, the value creation strategy is more, more people win. It's cool to hear that from you, right? Like, I think that you're qualified to say that again, <laughs> we're talking on your opinions, but for somebody that sees so much data and sees the shift happening, it's cool to hear that. And I think that's a very valuable thing to talk about and be aware of regardless of the side of the industry you're on. And as we talk about it and as I think about it, I guess the piece where data weighs into that and where there's something to like conclude on data is if your goal is to bring more value, mm -hmm. then data is there to help you. Yes. And maybe there's not the best ways yet to define it and to read all of it. And all of us have a Vivian Wang mastermind <laughs> to give your Spotify data to and analyze these things that if your goal and your intent isn't just to collect data because somebody says so, but to think like this is your product and you're trying to provide value and this is a tool to guide you in the right direction and use it where you can. And it's so powerful because like going back to like how you, I feel like you and I started, it all started with a song. It's all started with the music that really moved and touched you yeah. to like be able to use data to influence that is for me like full circle. Yeah. That's actually really cool. Like you're responsible for the single that came out in the order that it did because you took the time to analyze something and learn about it and learn why it worked. And that like, makes my heart explode. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's another kind of full circle thing in the conversation of like, there are so many jobs out here and there's so many things where I don't have any musical talent, but I love music and I love working in it. You found your path. You tried a bunch of things and you found what you love. 
And I love spreading that, that it's like you feel so fulfilled off of analyzing data and you ended up making a really cool impact in a band's career. So I think that that message to people that are trying, aspiring to work in it or people that want more inspiration in their daily work, whatever, that's cool to me. Thank you for saying that. I mean, and being able to help you guys develop and help um, grow the content, like that's, the content drives the willingness to pay the ticket sales. It all comes full circle. So that's huge. Making good music um, helps everything. It's all about the music. That's cool. That's cool that it comes back to something so real. Yeah, it's real. So another another question that I wanted, and I feel like you're qualified to kind of weigh in with, is you did take the college path, and you now teach a course. Teach two classes, yeah. Yeah, sorry, two. And I think that there's a lot of people that do a lot of studying, and you're looking at this, and it seems very intimidating, and it seems very much like, where do I start? And Maybe it isn't as intuitive as Vivian being like, oh, I'm just going to book shows and manage bands. Like maybe you're like, yo, this seems scary and this is a lot of pressure. So coming out of school, coming out of education, what are some things, like what are some things that you, maybe you're taught in class, but what are some of the things that you wouldn't expect or some core skills that you could really double down on that would be universally helpful? I hope that's not too broad of a question. Uh. So just to clarify, like just like skills that you should develop before you get into the music business. Yeah. Okay. Core skills that you should have. Um, I, this varies depending which part of the industry you're going in, because this, so this is like a pretty difficult question to answer, um, because like if you're going into like publishing, you don't necessarily need the same skills as going into like being a tour manager. Fair. You know, um, but if I were to really feel like think about the basics like knowing excel yeah maybe i should say for uh, your if somebody's interested in doing something close to what you're doing because that's that's okay right like that's easier to answer sure yeah much easier to answer um if you're looking to like get into like data or technology apps and yes one thing though i do i think it's like really people don't know product management they don't really understand that Product people, the best way I can explain this role is like product people are romantics. They see a vision in a future where people are working at their, at least I do, like at their most optimal levels Yeah. and like creating apps to help do that and like save time. Like that is, um, that's like a romantic view of like what product people do. Like they optimize and they like, you know get to it um i guess like skill set sorry i kind of went on a tangent there uh skill set was it would be like knowing excel knowing excel formulas uh, as simple as like writing like emails like it's just it's the number one way we communicate and just knowing how to like structure an email so it's readable yeah and like even using just like outlook calendar like knowing to not like just seeing that yeah getting really familiar with microsoft suite of tools is like it's gonna help you in whatever role i love that that's yeah. awesome like it's very basic things like you can almost overlook that right like, yeah you almost... and i'm happy to like send you an excel tutorial if you want to share with your listeners like if they want to see that excel tutorial like i'll send it to you Oh, cool. Please do. Yeah. So then yeah. if you're listening and you're trying to improve and you're trying to build your this skill is what, set these on are the Excel, formulas that you should learn. Cool. So hit me, DM me, 
I will send it to anybody who's interested and I will probably revisit that myself just to make sure that I'm operating on every level. I do a lot of work in Excel and I'm always like, I could probably do this better. There's probably a formula here. Yeah. So that's cool. I love that. That's a great answer. Um, I think really, I think my last thing, and I love this episode and it's, it's a fun one for me because it feels, it feels like a discussion on topics that we can't necessarily fully answer, but it's just something that I like to talk about, bring awareness to and it's and a side of it. Remind people that, like, to pay attention to these trends. Yeah. Like, if you're a young person in the industry, like, and this is what I actually told my class like two weeks ago, pay attention to what's happening with these big companies. When Spotify made that announcement, you should automatically like be thinking or like those so the amount, announcement of like a million listeners to or million content creators being supported on Spotify. Like that should get you to oh my god, there's gonna be a fuck ton of club shows or like yeah that, this. All these decisions that are being made, either by the government or the tech, like government, you know, the DOJ is really looking into that Ticketmaster Live Nation merger. Like, did anyone look at that? Like, what are these, what does this mean to you as a person in this community, this music industry community? Like, that's, I think that's really important as someone like trying to get in or like being even in the business to be paying attention to these things and thinking about how like it's going to change the landscape and yeah. how you're going to strategically either take advantage of that or like operate within those confines. That's huge. That's huge because it, it's. And that's like what I try to teach my students at USC is like how to strategically connect the dots because um, that's, it's such an important skill. And the, this, this industry is just constantly changing. Right. Yeah. It's like a, it's a more universal skill. Like if you can look mm -hmm. at anything, if you can look at news, if you can look at technology changing this, this equaling this and just have the skill to think with it yep. to think to say like okay cool this does this what's that mean it's almost like chess right it's like okay cool what's the next move yeah and then if you can think with that then you can kind of get strategic and be like well i would assume all these people are making money off spotify they're exposed to all these people they're gonna have a new fan base so a lot of people could tour clubs mm -hmm. clubs are gonna get saturated how do i then stand out amongst those how do i yeah how do i warrant people spending money on my tickets because kids are only gonna have fans i always they say kids i feel like yeah. that's not demeaning that's like fans are gonna only have such a budget for live music how are how are you gonna differentiate your band right. and create specific value for your fans? I think you as a manager do such a fucking great job of that. Like Yeah, gas honestly, me up. Like, let's go. No, but seriously, <laughs> like you guys, you as a manager, like when you guys launched that, announced that tour and did the you personally messaged the you looked at the data, yeah, messaged those biggest fans, put them on the guest list. Like that took time and effort, but you took it and those fans are big fans for fucking life. Oh yeah. So they I guess to follow you to explain that just so anybody listening. So, uh, we had a band announce a tour, a headline tour. And I thought, okay, cool. This is one of their first headliners. I want it to be special. I have all this data from their merchandise sales online. Let's find the top kids. Let's send them an email. We have their email address and let's just guest list them to a show. And the idea behind that is like, those people are clearly supporting us and giving us tons of money. Guest list uh, on a headliner, you have some extra spots. Thank them. Like that's something that you can it's give back to them. So and I think that amazing. that value, like, yeah, it's You're probably not going to pay. Like it, those, those kids are going to come back and yeah, that's buy to merch, me, buy everything. I just want them to tell their friends. I want them to say, Hey, this is a band that I really believe in and they're good people. And I'm going to be back at their next show too. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's, maybe my version of trying to think 
what things equal or whatever. Anyway, thank you. Um, so my last question, um, and I, I ask it just because I think a lot of people struggle and a lot of people, I mean, we all have such hard times and like you're nine years in and you're finding your spot. But was there ever a time in your career in music, even with the love that you had for it, where you were just like, fuck, I don't know about this. Like, did you oh, ever yeah. have a moment? So if that, if you had that moment, what it was, and just like, if you could go back and tell that kid at that low advice now, or like your perspective now, what would you tell that person or that version of you? So do you want me to tell the story? You can, you can tell the story. Just tell me briefly, like where you were at, like what, what happened? Um, it was like... It was in the Bay, and I had put on a show in a band that I really believed in out of Bakersfield, California, like literally the armpit of California. <laughs> um, just kidding. That place is sketchy. Oh, <laughs> okay. Like, sorry to anybody that lives and I loves know, Bakersfield, like, oh, but listeners like... listeners from Bakersfield, sorry. Well, okay, I should say that I just, I've heard so many people, like, I've heard that there's like crazy, like, murder stories, and there's like a lake oh, really? that like a lot, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm watching too much, too many forensic files or anything, but... Um, so it was anyway. this band that I like really believed in, brought him up to the, sh- like, brought him up to the Bay, did a show with them, um crushed i like no i been like i got crushed um they didn't sell any tickets but the music was so good and i so believed in it and i was i just remember sitting outside of the venue and just like looking at my losses and being like oh shit this is horrible and i never i was like i never want to feel like this again like how like i love this business so much but like taking a hit like that when you're like 17 it was like horrifying yeah and um I just was like I don't I didn't know what to do from there because I was I was like I don't know if I can I I don't know if I could do another night like this and I feel like um what so like the question is like what would I tell myself yeah so like there you are at that low I was sitting outside the curb literally outside the venue like 1 a.m took a loss and you're just like fuck this yeah it was horrifying what's like what's your advice to that low or like what's Where's the, like, it gets better moment? Oh, okay. All right. So, like, every... And I feel like you're so good at this. But <laughs> every failure is an opportunity to learn. So, for me, it was like, yeah, I fucked up. This failed. But what were my learnings? How how can I prevent myself from, like, doing... from this From this from happening again? And that's not to say, like, you shouldn't dwell on your feelings or, like, how you feel. Because, like, I feel... I mean, when, I don't know about you, but, like, when we grow up as kids, there was just saying, like, fuck feelings. Like, I hate feelings. I don't want to feel. But I I did so much of that as a kid of, like, not wanting to feel anything. Yeah. And so, but that's so much of human life is feeling. Yeah. So I would have told myself to, like, feel the feelings, like, under sit with them, be sad because it's valuable to feel sad um, because it's part of life and then like move on in a productive way. Like think about like how, what, what are the next steps? And I think eventually like I got there of like trying to like delving into the data and like that, like that much of a crushing loss was for me. And that was my only one. I like had a few more that was like so terrible that then like made me, um, go the path that I went, but I would have told myself to like, sit with the feelings, like, un- like learn this lesson and be, you know, go from there, like learn more. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of answered it in the story you tell, right? Like you at a very young age realized that that part of the career in business was not what you wanted to do. I was way too risk averse. I didn't, I don't have the grit. Yeah. But that's, it's cool because here you are like living a very happy life, doing a job that you love. So at that moment you're like, cool, I'm out all this money. This sucks. But now it was proof and it showed you a path that you really didn't want to do. And now you found something so much better. Yeah, I mean, I like, I definitely love it, and I still love working with like our buyers and our bookers, and like, to, you know, working with them on the data stuff. And I love working with the managers too, like with you and like, um, under the. I think the next exciting part is like what we're doing, which is like how can data inform content decisions? That's that, cool. yeah. And artist development that is like so fascinating to me. It's fun. Like we the things that we do because like you know, there's no structure to what we're trying out and looking at. It's purely like this like friendship science experiment where it's like, all right, like what can we make of this? Like, is there anything valuable here? Mm -hmm. Is there something here? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for doing this. I feel like we had a great episode. Well, thank you so much. I, I don't, I don't know. I've never done this before. So like, I have nothing to compare it to, but this has been fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I I really do. Like you killed it and it's cool. And I I love conversations like this and hopefully people enjoy us. I know. Uh, I hope that you listening, thank you for listening and hopefully it was valuable. Perfect. Cool.